0: All right, everyone. This is uh, number two in the series of how to choose the right financial advisor uh, for you. Uh, Today, we're talking about four misconceptions about retirement planning. Um, There's a lot of things out there that we want to think about when we're trying to choose the right financial advisor for us. And so we're doing this whole series to help you think through uh, as much as we can get you to think through before you make that big decision. And uh, so today we're going to take a little bit of time to take you through four major misconceptions.
1: All right. And just a couple quick reminders. Uh, we know we go and we share a lot of information here on these uh, retirement in action shows. Uh, don't forget, you can visit our website, which is pomwealth.net. Go to the blog page, there's an article on this topic. It, breaks all, uh, it gives a lot of detail on what we're talking about on these shows, so check that out. Also, you'll see at the top of the page, if you want to get notified as these articles come out and you want to know everything that we're putting out, just put your name and email in there and submit that, and you'll be able to get all of that detail every single time that we put anything out. And uh, we don't bombard you with emails. If you do that, you get one email a week every Saturday that has a list of all the things we put out that week, all the blog, the blog article, the podcast, our portfolio update. It's all there every single Saturday for our weekend uh, update. Now,
0: uh, before we get into this show though, uh, we have to do a quick disclosure. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show.
2: Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and
1: Merse Tariq. Welcome everyone to our Retirement in Action this week. Uh, today we're going to be talking about this idea of misconceptions. Misconceptions really about retirement planning, but in particularly about investment planning around retirement maybe what you should look for in an advisor. There are some misconceptions, you might say, or misunderstandings. And we just thought it would be good to take take you through those. We're going to really deal with four. So this is not going to be an overly extensive conversation, but it's just going to give you an idea of maybe like expanding how you might think a little bit. So we're just going to jump right in and kind of go through each of these. And we hope this will be beneficial to you as you're thinking about who to use, or maybe why you are using. So maybe it builds your confidence. Maybe you're, you're working with an advisor and you say, wow, that's, I, I'm in the right spot. And that's a good thing too. So misconception number one, just because somebody is using the title and we'll put it in quotes, financial advisor or financial planner, if they've got that title, they must be qualified. We're going to say that's a misconception. Why? Well, because anybody can say that they are a financial advisor or a financial planner. By the way, technically, they're not supposed to unless they actually have the criteria to do so. But you could be an insurance agent. Let me just say this. There are insurance agents who call themselves financial advisors, retirement planners, uh, financial planners, financial planners. And all they have in their repertoire, all they have in the, in the places that they can go to and, and access are insurance products. Now, by the way, Merce and I, we talk about it all the time on the show. This is episode 104. And after over a hundred episodes, if you've listened to our episodes, you know that Merce and I believe in and do use insurance products. Uh, we use uh, fixed annuities, we use life insurance, We talk about Medicare supplements, that's insurance. Long-term care, that's insurance. So we have no problem whatsoever using insurance products. But just because I call myself a financial planner or a financial advisor, but all I have is I'm an insurance agent, that's really not giving you the well-rounded advisor that you would need if you're like close to or in retirement or really trying to plan your financial world. Because if a person only could use insurance products? And we could say it the opposite way too. What if they only could sell you mutual funds and stocks? That doesn't give you the well-rounded approach either. Uh, We believe that there is certain criteria that we're going to talk about on one of these misconceptions, or at least be able to go into a little bit more about what we think a person needs to have to be able to call themselves a financial planner or financial advisor. So here is the misconception. I'll repeat it and then we'll move on to number two. Just because somebody has financial advisor, financial planner in their title, on their business card, on their website, that alone does not qualify them to be an advisor that can give you a well-rounded retirement financial plan. All right. You got anything else on that, Mercer? And we want to move on to next number two.
0: No, I think that's good. And I know we're going to hit it a little bit more in, the, in number three, um, as far as the term financial advisor and different... Uh, different types of um, credit accreditations and stuff behind people's names. So I think we're good where we're at there. I'm going to hit number two. Misconception number two is that the lowest fees are the best sol- solution. Um, and we will tell you up front, that is not always the case. The world that we're in right now, every everything is a constant struggle or battle of uh, how can I get the lowest fees? All, all the investment firms are, constantly lowering their fees. There's a lot of competition going on in the world. Um, there's been the creation of these things. And we did a podcast on this not too long ago about robo-advisors and and they are low cost options as well. Um, at the end of the day, we believe that you kind of have to evaluate what you're looking for and also understand what you're getting. Um, and so when it comes to fees, there can be different ways that you're working with an advisor. One advisor could say, come to me because I have the lowest fees. Um, But maybe that's not exactly what you're looking for. Maybe they're not specialized at all in what you're looking for. Like maybe it's uh, you're looking for someone that's going to help you grow the money. And that's not aligned. Or maybe you're looking for someone that is going to uh, that's uh, specialized more in retirement planning or business planning or whatever it may be and it just doesn't match up. So the that that conversation, even though it may be the lowest fee, it just may not be right for what you are looking for, what your goal is for even engaging with the financial advisor. Um, in other worlds, like Graydon was just talking about, in the insurance world, oftentimes uh, you'll be told that, hey, there's no fees if you buy this product, whatever the product is, because you don't really see the fee. Uh, some of it, it's not hidden, it's just sometimes it's built into the product uh, in the sense that you know you're going to get a rate uh, say if you're buying a cd at a bank or if you're going to buy an annuity or you're going to buy an insurance product a lot of times the fees are just built in and so the advisor can say or the insurance agent can say there's no fees to be in this product Um, but ultimately they are receiving a commission so i'd be very quick to ask them well what type of commission is the insurance company paying you? Even though it's not a fee that I'm paying you, well, it's it, essentially there is a fee there. So understand it, ask the questions as far as what the fee is. And I think the biggest one here, when it comes to the person that says, I think the lowest cost, the lowest fee is the way to go. Um, you know, Rayden and I, the, if you've been listening to our podcast at all over the past hundred some episodes that we have, you know, that we believe in active management, active management in the stock market. Uh, We've been able to reduce significant downside risk in in previous years, like a very recent year of 2020, where the market fell 34% in a matter of two weeks. I mean, sorry, two months. And and we just, we did not see that. We didn't see nearly uh, as much as what the market fell because of our active management there. In 2008, when the markets fell uh, 38% in the calendar year, uh, once again, we did not see that because we have a risk-managed portfolio, and that's why people come to us, and that's why they pay us a fee. Um, And so they understand what that fee is, and they understand what they're getting out of that. So a lot of times, we've had conversations with people that are at, say, Vanguard. Vanguard is well-known to be the low-cost investment provider because- they've got some very inexpensive next to zero cost uh, funds that you could buy into. Uh, But the conversation becomes, Hey, I went into Vanguard and I bought that fund. And in 2008, that fund, even though I paid them zero, essentially lost me 38% of my money or in 2020, even though I paid zero, I still lost a a chunk of money for a period of time there. Um, So at the end of the day, when it comes to, comes to fees, I think it's important to, put things into perspective, know what you are getting from that fee that you may be paying or that um, that fee that might be built into the product, understand what you're getting and ask the questions as far as, you know, is this going to line up with the goals that I have? Um, and then then the fee conversation kind of becomes irrelevant. If the if the fee is is going to be, you know, what you're, you're you're getting what you're looking for, well then the fee doesn't matter as much anymore. You know, if you've got, it, even if you're, say, you're, let's blow it out of the water and let's say you're paying a 10% fee, but you know, the returns are well, well above, well, all of a sudden the 10% fee doesn't make anything. And I know 10 is a very, very high number. I just wanted to make it uh, an overly illustrated example. Um, so it's just something to think about. Uh, definitely the lowest fee is not always the solution. Understand what you're looking for, understand what your goal is.
1: This is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. All right, so we'll move on to uh, number three. Misconception number three, all credentials or certifications are the same or they kind of have the same criteria. Um, And I'm not gonna go through the many different credentials that you could have or initials behind your name. But I what here's what I want to make sure that you understand is we believe for you to understand what it took and what it takes to qualify for that credential or certification. There are certifications that pretty much just require you to pay a fee and maybe take almost like an open book quiz and they'll say you're a certified something. And uh, you, you you put it there, and it sounds very good. It sounds like, wow, you're a certified whatever, and that, that means a lot. But go look it up. I mean, when you find somebody who's got a certification, go find out what did it take that person to get certified to be able to use that credential. Now, I'm going to tell you about a credential that I think is extremely powerful, and it might at first sound like I'm saying it because mo- both Merce and I are uh, certified financial planners, but I want to tell you why we became certified financial planners, and we and why we think that credential is so strong. So, certified financial planning is to be called a planner to, to, to use that certification. There's a lot of criteria. Uh, number one, education. Uh, there is there are now. Um, uh, college courses, college degrees, actually, that you can get in financial planning. Years ago, you couldn't. They didn't offer it. But even still, uh, let's say you didn't have the, the, the degree in financial planning. There are many colleges that offer certified financial planning um, uh, courses that w- is about a two-year uh, college program that you have to go through just to get the education part of being a certified financial planner. So think about that, two years of education. Then the next thing you have to do is actually pass the exam. Now the exam is the equivalent type of exam you would get if you were becoming a CPA or an attorney. It's a six hour exam Um, and it is quite the the exam. Only about 50% of people pass that exam whenever it is taken that's still not the end of the story. You on top of that have to have a certain amount of experience in two, I'm sorry, three years of experience full-time in working in financial planning in some way, working under a mentor, working with clients in some way. And then you can use the credentials as a certified financial planner. So think about what you've put in. You've got time and, and, and uh, knowledge education, you've had to pass a a very extensive exam, and you've got to have at least three years of experience just to be able to use your credentials. Then you have to live by the uh, code of ethics of the certified financial planning organization. Then you have to do uh, continuing education every single year in order to be able to continue to keep that certification. Now, Merce and I we used it because we believe it is the gold standard. We believe it is the standard that should be out there. And it was a, such a standard, we believe that we wanted to put the work in in order to, to achieve that. Now, some people want to have a certification. They just don't want to put all the work in. So they go get one of these very quick, almost like, uh, you know, again, pay a fee, get it types uh, certification just because they don't want to go through that work. And so, just whatever the certification, Go find out whatever it is that that is required so that you know what that really means. All right. You want to move on to number four, Merce?
0: Yeah. Number four, Um, the advisor works for a large financial institution, so that must make them qualified. Um, So Raiden just kind of talked about the CFP and what the CFP is and how we hold that as the gold standard. So just because someone works at a, a named, uh, let's say, a brand-name company like a Morgan Stanley or a Merrill Lynch or a Bank of America, Edward Jones, whatever they are, you know, in the past, Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch has kind of been held up uh, on the higher side of the investment banking uh, uh, world. Um, you know, there I've got a couple thoughts on this. One is. Um, just because they're an advisor in that larger company doesn't mean that they are qualified it really comes down to i uh, like Raiden just said that we we prefer the CFP marks there's a lot of education that goes behind that um, also a lot of these larger companies have have and we know this because we're in the business and we see kind of the intertwinings of how they work but Larger, the larger companies have these training programs where they'll bring in a very young person right out of college and they'll get make them get some types of certifications. But also they just have very strong training programs. And then that person you may be working with has very little experience uh, for quite some time. And then they actually grow in the years and get some more experience. But what we actually end up seeing is that that person is. Um, ends up leaving that company. They got the experience they needed. They left the company and actually started their own independent firm. Well, how can they do that? They, they can do that because they actually feel confident in their ability to work outside of using a brand name like a Merrill Lynch or Morgan Stanley. And then the big added bonus that comes with that is that now they're completely independent. And even though they don't have a name behind them like that, they have themselves and they have their ability to serve their clients. Um, and, and that, that says quite a bit also, um, that independent advisor, um, is also now in a world where they can essentially do the best that they can do for their clients. We fully believe that the independent advisor side of the world is the fastest growing right now, um, because you're not forced to push any type of product. So if I work, if I have worked at a, let's say an insurance company, Uh, like Prudential for the longest time. Do we think that Prudential is going to let me sell mass mutual products? No, I'm going to have to sell whatever Prudential has to offer. Or if I'm at uh, Vanguard or any of these other big companies, they have their own quotas that they have to hit. So uh, while it can be just fine for the client, uh, we like to even take that out of the picture. And so that's why, you know, just because they're at a brand name company, Yes, absolutely. Can you get great service from that situation? Absolutely, you can. Um, But you kind of have to do your research. Once again, every single one of these misconceptions comes down to doing your research and asking the right questions. And at the end of the day, when it comes to choosing an advisor, someone that you feel comfortable with, do you interact with them? Well, Um, do they give you the confidence that you need in your overall plan and your thinking? Uh, And then, you know, do they just make you feel comfortable? And do they align with your own philosophy of risk or your own philosophy of financial management? So a lot of things that you got to think about and just doesn't come down to, well, you know, my dad was at Merrill Lynch with this one advisor. So I feel like I should be at that, at that same Merrill Lynch because that advisor did good for him. Um, You know, it's just one of those things where you got to do the research and I wouldn't say put a bias towards a certain brand brand name company Um, go with what you feel good about. So Uh, That is the four misconceptions. Obviously, there's going to be a lot more to talk about here, but we wanted to bring just four to light today. Uh, And we've got a few more uh, topics to hit in this series that we're covering here.
1: All right, everyone, if you uh, listen to that, you're thinking, man, I missed uh, some of the details there. uh, Visit our website, pomwealth.net. Go to the blog page, forward slash blog, or you'll see the, the, the menu at the top of the website go to the blog page and we have an article on this very topic. Uh, Every single week, we have a new blog page article, blog article that comes out so that you can have all this detail right in front of you. So please go visit that. Uh, We appreciate so much you listening. We hope you have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.
2: All right, everyone, that wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement Podcast if you found value in today's episode we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to itunes and give us a five-star rating and a review be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it and we'll send you a special gift our book get off the retirement roller coaster just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift also be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week and finally. Please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.